This is the Rebel Author Podcast, where we talk about books, business, and occasionally bad words. Hello, Rebels, and welcome to episode 63 of the Rebel Author Podcast. This week, I'm talking to Michael Laron, and we'll be discussing tips and tricks to help you get your finished book to publication the indie author way. First to last week's question, and I will make an apology right here and now that I did not post it uh, on Instagram, and I had intended to because uh, I got such great engagement last week with the question. Um, But uh, yeah, I'll explain why I didn't post it uh, on Instagram when I get to my personal uh, update thing. So uh, on in the Facebook group then, oh, and that's something to say, if you guys are listening and you are not part of the Rebel Author Facebook group, then why not come over and join? I always post the question uh, of the week in the Facebook group and there is like over a thousand, I think it's over 1100 now, other authors, indie authors, published and unpublished, uh, you know, six-figure authors in there so there's always somebody to answer your publishing questions if you have them I will drop a link to the Facebook group in the show notes all right so last week's question was what do you care most about in a book is it story characters presentation something else Bobby Ann Atwood said for me the most important part of a book is the characters they have to be relatable And the dialogue has to be natural to where the character is in their life or journey as well as natural to their personality. A variety of characters is also important, not just uh, skin colour, romantic orientation or gender, but also personality, motive and purpose. Not every character's goal should be the same as the protagonist and not every character should act like a stoic and brave survivor with a chip on their shoulder who still somehow finds a way to laugh and show kindness to those around them. More characters than just the villain can be an arsehole and it's okay if one of the characters is a bit of a chicken. I love that because Bobby pulled on so many tropes that I see in young adult so I did have a bit of a giggle to myself whilst I was uh, reading that so thank you Bobby for your comment. Annie said um, I I would say it's the characters that matter most to me whether I love them or hate them if the character is done well then the story falls into place with them. I, I definitely agree I think. I mean... I always think it's a bit of a, you know, odd question because you can't really have a good story without a good plot and you can't have a good story without good characters. So I I do think that they both matter. I think everything matters in a story. Um, for me, the prose definitely matters, of course. <laughs> That's why I wrote a book on prose. Duh. Uh, but... Um, Yeah, I mean, we all have different parts of story that we favour and that we like best. But um, yeah, to make a good book, you know, I I think we're probably all agreed that um, you need all of the elements. Val Neal agreed and said characters, I think. It really is the whole package though. Yeah, exactly. So Val, you know, I completely agree. It is the whole package. Uh, Val continued to say, by the way, props to Macmillan for working in two Princess Bride references in a single interview. It almost makes me want to re-listen and see if I missed more. Alright, so this week's question is, what self-publishing question haven't you had answered? Maybe you've got a burning question that you can't find the answer to, maybe you've searched forums, maybe you've asked before and not had a satisfactory answer. Yeah, uh, let me know Um, and yeah, basically (laughs) let me know what self-publishing questions you haven't had answered and maybe I can do like a bonus mini episode um, and answer them or something. We'll see. Maybe it'll be a Christmas present. So the book recommendation of the week is It Ends With Us by Colleen Hoover. Okay, so once again, I'm giving you a fiction book. I know, I know, I'm supposed to be giving you uh, non-fiction. Actually, who says I'm supposed to be? Fuck that, fuck the rules. I'm going to give you whatever book recommendation I want to give you. Why am I talking about this book? Well, in November, I seem to have like binge read double what I normally read. And so 
I ha I have started to read quite a lot more fiction. I've been I spent a lot of this year reading non-fiction um, and I just needed to saturate myself in fiction at the moment. So that's why I'm recommending this book. Uh, well, that isn't why I'm recommending this book. I'm recommending this book because it's amazing because it gripped me and I could not put the book down. I literally read it in a day, I think. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think I did. I read it in a 24 hour period. I mean, there was a, I slept. Obviously, I didn't like stay up until six o'clock in the morning reading it, but um, I could have done. Uh, I, I text my friends whilst I was reading it, like, this is one of those books <laughs> that I really could stay up until like five o'clock in the morning trying to read it. So it opens and the character voice is really voicey. It's um, very powerful. So I, I want to caveat this. This book it uh, does have trigger warnings. So if um, trigger warnings, I would say include domestic violence um, of a variety, um, definitely abuse. Um, uh, I think there's like one attempted rape scene in there as well. The person, I, I don't want to give too many spoilers, but I'm just saying there are triggers. And so if anything like that would trigger, the, trigger you, then I don't recommend you read this book. Um, but if those things won't trigger you, then I highly, highly recommend it because I enjoyed it because it was such a um, lesson to me in character voice and characterization. And it was incredibly pacey. It was contemporary. It was a romance uh, story, kind of a romance story. And I've just never read anything like it. I think it was classed as young, uh, new adult, sorry. Although the character, yeah, the character was like 24, I believe. And it just had a fantastic ending. And the protagonist was really strong. And I loved it. I I loved it so much that I now have like three other Colleen Hoover books in my uh, Amazon basket at the moment. So yeah, I'm going to put links uh, to the book in the show notes. And if you want a lesson in characterization in, in a contemporary setting, I highly recommend this book. Anyway, I'm going to move on because I've been talking about this book for ages. <laughs> Suffice to say, I really enjoyed it. All right, so personal update. This week has been an absolute fucking train wreck for me. So somebody in my family got COVID and we had had contact with them, which meant we had to isolate, which meant my son had to be off school. Again, last minute with no prior warning. So I had no chance to prep or to, um, you know, get rid of some work and uh, lessen what's on my plate. And I basically got so stressed that I put my back out, I put my neck out, I gave myself, I I, I don't think it's a, it was a migraine because I think migraines you have to lose some like vision, I think you get like spots in your vision. Anyway, I had such a severe headache that I was dizzy, I broke out into a fever um, and so we were actually worried that I might have caught COVID from my family member but I haven't um, and but but what did happen was that I was basically taken out and I had to go and lie down. I'm not very good at lying down or not doing anything in a very dark room for quite some time. I basically couldn't do anything for an entire day because I was in that much pain. Um, and it's very much symptomatic of me when I get stressed, my back and neck go anyway. So I have a chiropractor like on speed dial, <laughs> they know us well. Um, and he will just realign me and the headaches stop. And usually it's de I get de-stressed because all my back is realigned. Suffice to say, I have not ever been in a position where I have been taken out like that. And I've been so unable to work, uh, even though I wanted to. Uh, I also felt like I had a black hole where my creativity is. Now, some people would call that burnout. Some people would say it's exhaustion. I think it's probably a mixture of the two. I don't think the burnout is because of my normal working pace, because I have always worked like a fury. <laughs> that is just who I am. I think it is symptomatic of this year. Um, I think it is. I think there are a lot of people out there who are exhausted. I think the world is exhausted right now. So I definitely think it is a symptom of this year. And the fact that I've moved house and re, re renovated, re renovated. What are you saying, Sasha? Jesus, I need more coffee. Um, yeah, we've renovated our house and we've had no holiday. I do not remember the last day off I had uh, where I actually 
well, you know, yes, okay, I had a day off this week, and it, but it's because I was put on my ass by my body rebelling against me. What a bastard. Um, anyway, well, what was I saying? Yeah, so basically I want to just speak to anybody who's feeling exhausted and say you are not alone and that... Yeah, that's it really. Just to say, you know, anybody who has found their creativity suffering, uh, I, I think I said to one of my friends that I felt like the hollowed out asshole of Satan uh, this week. Like that's what my creativity felt like. There was just a black hole where it should be. And I haven't really ever experienced that. So I am going to take some time to refill my well and I will be off social media for a bit and um, I will be reading more, watching more just for the next week or so until I feel like that itch of creativity coming back. Like it is there. I've already had some, you know, for the last two days I've basically not worked and I've had some ideas coming back to me. But yeah, I, it was frightening to be put in that position because <laughs> I've never not been able to work at a thousand miles per hour. So yeah, that was my week. Hope you had a better one than me. Um, what else can I tell you? No, I think that's it. All right, let, let's move on to a Rebel of the Week. Rebel of the Week this week is Nix M. Cavalier. Two years ago, I was a student at a translation school. My English teachers, we had four, for writing, reading, speaking and listening, had already noticed me because as an autist writer, I don't blend well with my peers. We had a listening exam and I had finished first, but couldn't leave because the others needed quiet. So I took my outline sheet and started writing, in English, a very quick fan fiction about Naruto, uh, two Naruto characters, Zabuza and Haku. Haku? I hope I've, I've said those correctly. Uh, nothing naughty. I just wrote how Zabuzu realised he wasn't just a weapon and was distraught by his students' uh, death. I called it By Revenge and Peace and finished it just before we could leave the classroom. Before I could say or do anything, the teacher took our copies, including my outline sheet with the fan fiction on it. I was a bit sad because I'd hoped I could type it and post it on AO3, uh, but I let it go. Two days later, I received an email from my writing teacher who wasn't even there that day. She said the listening teacher had given her the sheet and she had read it. She'd quite liked it even though she didn't know the characters and was sending me a scan of my text so I could have it back. After that, she started reading my real fanfiction, a very long 800,000 word, uh, very intense retelling of the entire Naruto story. Apparently, she just started reading my original work too, last week, uh, and she still likes what I do. All that just because I couldn't sit still uh, and without writing for 20 minutes. I think that is awesome. I love that uh, you were cheeky in your exam. I've often done cheeky things in exams. I've never cheated. I would just like to clarify that. Uh, but I have often done things like that. Uh, also in like when I used to work in the corporate world and we had, um, I remember one particular course, we had some course, God knows what it was, some corporate bullshit. And um, I sat there writing a story in minuscule handwriting so nobody could see that I was writing a story instead of writing notes. And uh, I remember one of the teachers came up to me and was like, cool, you're really writing a lot of notes, aren't you, about the class? And I was like, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, sure I am. That's exactly what I'm doing, not. Oh, yeah, so I love this story. Thank you so much for sending it in. And yes, listeners, I really, really, really do need more Rebel stories. We are starting to run low again. So if you would like to be a Rebel of the Week, please, please do send in your story. It can be any kind of rebellion, big, small, or something in between. You can email your Rebel story to rebelauthorpodcast at gmail.com or tweet me at rebelauthorpod. One new patron this week, a big, huge thank you to Janelle Hardacre. I am super, super grateful for your support. And um, Janelle has come and joined the Slack group. So yeah, thank you very much for that. And a huge thank you to all of my old and new patrons alike. You guys help to keep the podcast running and you also chip some coal off of my cold dead heart. So thank you. And I will be um, giving you guys an extra like article bonus uh, thing this month. I was going to do it this week, but obviously I got taken out by my fucking body. So cheers, body. 
If you would like to support the show and get early access to all of the episodes as well as bonus content, then you can from as little as $2 a month by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. Another big thank you to Pro Writing Aid this week, who are the sponsors of this episode. For those that don't know, Pro Writing Aid is an editing software, and as far as I'm concerned, it's fan fucking tastic. I use it personally as both my last line of defense and as a grammar checker, style editor, and writing mentor before I ship off my manuscripts to my editor. Pro Writing Aid is about more than just finding grammar mistakes though. It also helps you to learn good writing techniques. It has 20 different writing reports that make suggestions and then offer detailed explanations as to why they are making those suggestions. Pro Writing Aid also has videos and even quizzes to help you understand the reasoning behind the suggestions so you actually learn from Pro Writing Aid as well as having your manuscript edited, which means next time you write a manuscript, your writing will be cleaner, better and sharper. Writing can be grammatically perfect and still feel awkward and clumsy. Well, Pro Writing Aid searches out elements like repetitiveness, vague wording, sentence length variation, overdependence on adverbs, passive voice, overcomplicated sentence construction, and much more. Of course, Pro Writing Aid will never replace a human editor, but it will help you to do a self-edit on a deeper level so that when you do send off your manuscript to your editor, your editor will be able to focus on the meat of your writing and not spend their time fixing basic writing issues. Basically, they will help you then be able to get your manuscript to the best it can be. Do go and check out Pro Writing Aid. I will leave a link in the show notes. And don't forget there is a Rebel discount code, which is Rebel25, where you'll be able to get 25% off the software. That's it. Let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Rebel Author Podcast. Today I am joined by someone special. I'm joined by Michael Leron, a team member of mine. Michael is the author of over 50 science fiction and fantasy books and self-help books for writers. He writes from the Great Plains of Iowa and has managed to write while raising a family, working a full-time job, and even attending law school classes in the evenings. You can find his fiction at michaelleron.com and his videos and books for writers at authorlevelup.com. Welcome, Michael. Hi, Sasha. It's great to be here. Thank you yeah. for the kind introduction. No, thank you very much. It's always lovely to have a fellow ally team member uh, come on the podcast. So yeah, I'm still trying to, to get Orna to come on. <laughs> she promises me <laughs> she is coming on. So, um, Okay, so tell everyone a little bit more about you. I didn't know you'd written that many books either, so I'm, I'm fascinated to hear a bit more. Um, so yeah, tell everyone about you, your writing journey, and, and how you got to where you are. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I started as a writer in 2012 and it was after I had a near-death experience and I realized that life was too short. And so I needed to figure out what it was I was going to do with my life. Up until that point, I was a sometime writer. I didn't really, you know, I, I wrote some things here and there. I submitted some things to literary magazines. I tried to go the traditional publisher route. And I just remember being in a hospital bed, staring at the wall and asking myself, what am I doing with my life? And this vision of being a writer was, it just popped into my head. Now, part of it was because I was on morphine hallucinations, I think, but <laughs> very true story. But I, I, I had these visions and I, I realized this is what I wanted to do. And I swore on that hospital bed that I would, I would, I would become a writer and that I would bend the universe around me to do it. And right around that time was when I found the creative pen and I, I started to learn about what it was to be a true self-published writer. I found the Alliance of Independent Authors and I just, I started walking the path and I published my first book in 2014. And it's been a really, really crazy journey from me ever since then. So I, I as you mentioned, I, I publish over 50 books. Um, I, I, Man, I don't know how I managed to do that, but I, I did it because I, I tend to, when I jump into things, I tend to just jump into them. I've also uh, started a YouTube channel right around that same time called Author Level Up. And to my surprise, that channel, it, it's grown really wildly. It's kind of amazing. Like it was one of those, it's one of those things where when you start it, you don't realize, like you think it's going to be a failure, but then it ends up being successful. And that's kind of how it started. And so my journey has always been, 
I just, I just walk the path. I try to be a good author, try to be a good business person. And the things that end up being most successful are the things that I never planned. And so if, if you had, if you had told me in 2012 that I'd be where I am right now, you know, with a, a pretty decent sized platform, pretty decent sized sales, a YouTube channel, several podcasts, I, I would have never have believed it because when I published my first book, I had no idea <laughs> what the, what the writing world was going to look like. So that's been my journey in a, in a nutshell so far. I love that. I love so many things about that. First of all, because I really um, uh, like in solidarity for the morphine comment, because um, I was really sick after I gave birth and um, I basically hadn't slept for nearly five days. So I was completely out of my brain, hysterical. Mm -hmm. And they basically gave me morphine to put me to sleep for a little while. (laughs) <laughs> and um, I was just delirious. And uh, when I I had to have some like sinus surgery a few years ago, and I remember waking up thinking I was. Um, have you ever seen the film Me, Myself, and Irene with Jim Carrey? Yes, I have. So he has like cotton mouth in in yeah. one of the where he gets like really dry mouth. <laughs> I woke up, I kept talking about Jim Carrey and how I had like this cotton. Anyway, anyway, like I I I had a little internal giggle because I completely know yeah. what you mean. Um, but I also loved what you said about um, how the things that you didn't expect to, t- to take off really did. So when I started writing, I never expected my nonfiction to go anywhere. And my nonfiction is, I mean, that, that's more or less what's enabled me to leave my job. So um, yeah, I, I love that. And I feel like that's so true as well. You know, we, we expect one thing and actually the universe prov- provides something completely yep. different, but also what we still need, which I, which I love. Um, so just tell me a little bit more about your books, because I had no idea you had that many. So what genres are they in and, and all of that kind of stuff? Yeah, so I write science fiction and fantasy, and I've written, that's the majority of, of what I've written. So I've written a number of different subgenres of science fiction and fantasy. Mm-hmm. So I've written series about androids. I did an android thriller. Uh, I have a series called The Last Dragon Lord, which is about a bloodthirsty dragon lord, and it's kind of like this mashup between epic fantasy and urban fantasy. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so that's my best. That's one of my be- better performing series. That's that's at um, michaelaron.com slash uh, The Last Dragon Lord if anyone's interested in that. Um, but I've also done, uh, I mean, I've, I've just done so much. I, I, I'm i kind of in urban fantasy right now. That's kind of where I, I'm living. Mm-hmm. So I have a new series. It's called The Good Necromancer. And it's about a necromancer who uses his powers for good. Um, so I've done a lot of different things in the, in the fiction genre. Mm-hmm. In, in the nonfiction genre for writers, I've done, uh, a couple of books on helping writers write faster and write smarter. So, um, yeah, I'm going to write that down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually have a book and it, it. It's, it's one of those, it was one of those things where I had no idea that it would do as well as it did. It, it's, it's called be a writing machine. And essentially it's how to write, how to write better and smarter, how to beat writer's block and be prolific. And I actually wrote that book, because uh, in 2018, I, you know, I, I never knew my biological father. And in 2018, I had this weird inclination to try to find him. And I found him on Facebook in like 10 minutes, which is kind of really crazy. And he didn't want anything to do with me. And I was really like, I wasn't okay for a while after that happened, but I, I wrote that book as a way to help me cope with how I was feeling. And so I, the book was really just, it was purely therapeutic for me. It was like, how do I, how do I use writing to help me wrestle with the problems that I have, you know? And it was part autobiography, not really, but, but part by their biographical parts of it. But then there was just my manifesto of how I write, how I write books and how I managed to write over 50 books um, while balancing a family and law school and full-time job and all that stuff in the book did way better than I would have ever have imagined. Yeah, um, and I will be buying a copy in the minute we finish this well, podcast you. because that is literally like the thing that um, is plaguing me at the moment is I'm just not, it's not like I I will never be able to write, I don't think, you know, I, I, I'm assuming you must have published about 10 books a year to have, because 
some it must be sort of eight to ten bucks a year something like that i'm never going to get to that level yeah mm -hmm. whereas but i would like to do three fiction and like two non-fiction a year but because i do workbooks with my non-fiction that would be three four five six seven a year so mm -hmm. um yeah i mean even if i published six a year i'd be like thrilled but um yeah, I just can't seem to, and I know half of it's because I'm doing the wrong things and putting my time into the wrong things. But um, still, I I need to know how you write that fast because I need to yeah. improve my speed. Yeah, um, and, and if anyone's interested, you can find it at authorlevelup.com/machine. But uh, yeah, it, it's it. You'd be surprised the little things that you can do on a daily basis to to be able to improve your word count. Just little things can really make a big difference. Mm -hmm. I, I think I'm really struggling because I um, I'm trying to embrace the parts of me that I know work best. So I know I'm a like I, I'm a burst writer. So I know I will never be somebody who can write um, like a thousand words a day every day. It just won't happen because life, children. Um, also, I that's not really how my creativity comes to me like it, it will you know i will get or suddenly get very clear in my mind like five scenes and i will spend two days vomiting out you know thousands of words and then there'll be nothing again for a little while but it's it's trying to work out how i can be more consistent with that i suppose but anyway this podcast isn't supposed to be about <laughs> my writing speed um okay so you recently launched a book with Ally on the most commonly asked self-publishing questions. Uh, but before we delve into that, for anybody who doesn't know what Ally is, and if they've listened to this podcast, they really ought to, but could you give a brief summary about Ally and what they do? Yes. Well, Ally is a nonprofit association for self-published writers. So if you think about many different trades or many different industries, Carpenters have nonprofit associations, you know, insurance, the insurance industry has nonprofit associations and they, they do things that, that advocate for the people in their industries. Why don't we have that for writers? So Ally is a nonprofit association for writers and it's dedicated to ethics and excellence in self-publishing. So providing lots of free resources, free blogs, free podcasts, um, we publish books on helping writers become the best version of themselves. And mm -hmm. uh, it's founded by our fearless leader, Orna Ross. And um, ultimately, it's about helping writers become the creative directors of their careers. And so everything Ally does is in, in pursuit of that. And one of, the, one of the really great things that they do also is um, providing a watchdog service. Mm. So, you know, there are unfortunately some unscrupulous people out there in the industry. And so Ally keeps watch on those services and provides a ratings directory so that if writers ever have questions on, hey, is this publisher legit? Or, hey, is this editor somebody that's had issues in the past? They can look at Ally and use them as a resource. And that's just, I'm really just scratching the surface of all the really wonderful things that they do. And you can feel free to jump in and add color to that. But that's, that's Ally that in a was, nutshell. Yeah, I think that was a beautiful summary. I, the only other major thing um, that I would add is just the, the conference, which they run twice a year. And um, so it's called Self PubCon or Self Publishing Conference. Um, and uh, it usually runs in line with two of the major book fairs. So London Book Fair, usually, and usually either Digital Book World. I think this year it might be Frankfurt. Um, and uh, yeah, and it's free for a few days, so you can get all of the um, conference material for completely yeah. no no money at all, which is fantastic. And then it goes behind like a membership wall. Um, what was the other thing I was going to say? Oh, and of course, I will leave a link in the show notes. Um, it is it will be an affiliate link, just to be completely honest about that. Um, but hey, I love them, so that's why I'm promoting them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It, it's it, it's just such a great organization, and and that's why you and I are a part of it because Absolutely. they do such wonderful things in the community. Absolutely, they do. Okay, so um, the book is about the most common uh, self-publishing questions. So, what are the three most common questions uh, you or Ally get asked, and um, maybe a brief answer to to each of those questions? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the, the most common question that we get by far is how do I market a book? 
You know, I mean, that's, that's the first question I think that everyone has on their minds. And I've always said that the first answer that that comes to mind for me is understanding the difference between marketing and promotion Mm because that's the, the foundation because, because a lot of people that they'll, they'll try to promote before they market. Right. So, so I want to, I want to promote my book, buy my book, buy my book. But if you haven't done that essential work of making, wait, let's back up a second. Let's make sure that the book has the the right cover, has the right description, speaks to the right people, you know, all that, that I, I was, I always refer to it as like an iceberg. Marketing is like an iceberg. Everything under the surface is the marketing and then everything above the surface is the promotion. So the majority of the time that I recommend that people spend is in the marketing because mm-hmm. if you get that right, it makes the promotion so much easier. So when people ask, well, what's the best way to promote a book? I, I ask, well, what's the best way to market a book? Because if you can get the marketing right, then the promotion's a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. That, I, I, I mean, in my head, I suppose I sort of see them and they're not, this isn't um, strictly true because all the lines blur, but promotion to me is shorter term and marketing is the longer term and you know having a strategy for marketing Uh, and that's not always the case because you know like my AMS ads some of them run for months and months and months that's obviously not short term but you know broadly speaking um that that's sort of how I differentiate it in my head oh absolutely absolutely and that's 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 well taken and then I should also mention that the name of the book is 150 self-publishing questions answered um, if anyone is interested, it's basically uh, allies, writing, publishing, and marketing tips that every indie author and poet needs to know. So I should just throw that out there. Uh, and, it, and you can get the copy of the book at, at authorlevelup.com slash 150. So I'll just, just wanted to throw that out there. Um, the second most common question that we get by far is anything related to ISBNs. So we get a lot of ISBN questions. Um, and, and they're all over the place. It's it, sometimes it's, do I need the, the most common question is, do I need an ISBN for, or can I use the same ISBN for ebook and my paperback? Mm. And the answer to that is no, you have to have a different ISBN per different format. So one of the, one of the cool things that Orna and I did in the book is we have a, everything you wanted to know about ISBNs question or section. <laughs> so we answer like 30 ISBN questions. It's like rapid fire, you know, and, and it, it's kind of a repository of ISBN advice. So if you had those burning ISBN questions, you know, this is a, a great, a great book for you. So the third most common question I think that we get um, has to do with creativity. So how can I, it's a question I often get personally, but also it's a question that we get is how, how do I never run out of ideas or how do I, how do I avoid writer's block? You know, and I've, I've always told people with writer's block, it's, it, there's three sources of writer's block. And this is my opinion. This is not, it's non-scientific. It's just <laughs> Mike, Michael Laron's opinion, just based on uh, my degree from the school of hard knocks in this area. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've, I've got summa cum laude. I, I've got the degree to prove it. The first cause of writer's block, I think, has to do with a lack of inspiration. So maybe you need to read more books or maybe you just need to go off and go somewhere you've never been before. Because if like right now during the pandemic, absolutely true, because everyone's at home all the time. So get, putting yourself in a different area and doing something different that you haven't done can be really good for you in, in improving that inspiration. Um, the second thing is lack of motivation. So how do you, how do you continue to get motivated? How do, you, how do you inspire yourself to sit down every day or to do what it is that you want to do? And then the third, just real quick, is, is personal circumstances. You know, um, Sometimes if you're, if you're ill or if you've got a family situation going on, subconsciously, you're going to be blocked. And, and you'll find that when you take care of the issue that you need to take care of, the writer's block tends to go away. And I so, love, I love that so much. I um, So the only one I don't suffer with is motivation. I am one of the most motivated people I know. 
but I definitely have issues with uh, one and two and I never really realized how much um, the external uh, inspiration impacted me but I, I constantly book uh, interesting and unusual places to go so I'll take the family to a museum we went and saw um, the Tutankhamun exhibition we go and do um, tours in abandoned London underground stations I climb into derelict buildings I you know I've been to Highgate Cemetery and had a tour there like I'm always booking um, you know, steam train trips and random stuff like that and they all work their way into my fiction and um it's it's funny it's definitely i can definitely feel the the well being drier than it would normally be and it's literally because and also travel yeah you know like last year i went to five different places and and never did i run out of words because of all of the and and the weird thing is it's it's not necessarily a direct um you know you don't go to edinburgh for example and then write a book about edinburgh it's it's these tiny little things that percolate and you know osmosis they sort of work their way into your fiction and stories in a different way and obviously that might not be the case for everybody listening um but that that is the case for me i will add one more though and maybe this Please. comes under personal circumstances the biggest reason for me not to write is exhaustion like nine yeah. times out of 10, if I'm blank, it's because I'm absolutely like bone ass exhausted. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and, and I am terrible at recognizing tiredness in myself as well. Yeah, it, it, it's real, it's real. And, and one of the ways, and, and that's such a great point. I'm glad you said that because one of the things that I, I, I do to combat that is sometimes you're gonna have days where you just can't write. Mm. It, it's it's just a fact of life. And one of the things I try to do is if I have those exhaustion days, can I write just a sentence? Just a sentence. Or or can I write like a hundred words? And I find that if I'm really, really tired and I sit down and try to write a sentence, I can usually write two. And if I can write two sentences, I can write three. If I can mm. write three sentences, I can write 10. And even if I'm super tired at the end of the day, if I've got a hundred words to show for it, that's a good day. Mm. You know, I, I do over the, the average of your career. Yeah, no, absolutely. I completely agree. And uh, I think I'm going to write that down so that I, I start to do that because what I tend to do on days like that is work on the other stuff. So the admin, mm -hmm. the, the, the AMS ads, which are just mind numbing tasks, particularly, you know, but, but also have to be done. Um, yeah. yeah, but, um, I like that. I'm going to, um, I'm going to write that down when you start answering the next question. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, the, the, the book, I'll just mention it again. It's 150 yeah. self-publishing questions. Um, and I will leave links love. to it in the show Perfect. notes, of course, as well. So, yeah. Okay, what mistakes do a lot of newer authors make when starting out? I think the first mistake is unrealistic expectations. You know, when I wrote my first book, I thought it was going to make me a millionaire. And that didn't exactly happen. <laughs> and I, just not, not, not knowing the journey and the, the level of hard work that this particular profession requires. Um, it's easy for almost anyone to get started if they have the motivation and, and the patience to create their first book, but it's a lot harder to stick around. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've seen a lot of people come and go in the last eight years. Um, and I really haven't even been around that long, to be honest with you, but I've seen a lot of people come and go. And a lot of it is because of unrealistic expectations um, a lot of, a lot of times it's because they'll write their first book and then they'll, they'll keep writing and keep writing and then they'll burn out mm -hmm. because they don't meet the, the book, the book doesn't do as well as they think it will do. And then that creates this really weird, well, I've got to, I've got to write the next book faster and faster. And then that book may not do as well. And so it just creates this death spiral. So I just tell people don't have any expectations, just publish the book that you want to publish and just keep experimenting and trying things. And then when something works, learn from that and then just keep optimizing toward. Yeah, I. this that. is one of my bugbears with a lot of the very large Facebook groups. You know, they there's always daily a post about another author who's hit six figures in X yeah. many months. Um, and they are sort of, you know, jointly super inspirational. And these people are always giving all of their tips and insight. And it's wonderful. But it does create this expectation, be it conscious yeah. or, or subconscious. And like, it, you know, 
what what they don't always include is the amount of time that it's taken them and the majority of people actually can't necessarily write you know 12 or 15 or, or 20 books a year um yeah. you know the majority of people will do between one and five books a year at, at best that is just because there are so many life um uh, uh things going on and and mm -hmm. responsibilities people have parents to care for or they have children to care for and you know and also we just have different writing speeds and that is okay but i always feel like those facebook groups make it not okay for you to be a slower writer or or you know in in and enjoy the process even um I've forgotten where I was going with this, but yeah, basically what I do like is when, did you see the article from written word media, um, about author finances? I did not. Okay. So basically they looked at what it really takes to become a six figure author. And what I liked is that near enough, like 97% of the six figure authors had 28 books. Like guys, 28 yeah. books is a lot of fucking books, you know, yeah. <laughs> that takes a while. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, I think like we need more information like that to 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 show people how long you know, and and even at twenty eight books, it's not a magical figure. You're not necessarily no. immediately going to earn six figures from from twenty eight books. Um, I, I don't earn six figures, and I've written fifty. Well, exactly, exactly. There you go. Um, but but still, yes, I I completely agree about the expectations, and you know, as you were saying at the beginning quite often it's the thing that you least expect to take off which is the one that does so yeah um so if you could tell new writers one piece of advice that you wish they'd all follow what would it be yeah i would i would say it's three parts there in the community there are so many great people giving advice like that's one of the great things that we have is advice is given very freely and there's lots of advice on the internet in general about self-publishing, about the paths you should take. You know, a simple Google search will yield you, I don't know, 300,000 results on, on how to self-publish a book. You, you'll get two or 3,000 YouTube videos. You'll get you know, however many hundreds of podcast suggestions. And so the problem is that you're constantly being bombarded with advice, whether you like it or not. And there's three types of advice. There's advice that's meant for you, meaning it's, it's applicable to your situation. There's advice that is not meant for you, meaning it might sound really good, but if you follow it, you're not going to get the same results or it could be disastrous for you. Um, but the person giving that advice may not necessarily know that that's not a good fit for you. And then the third is advice that you're not ready for yet. So there's going to be things you hear where you're like, oh, that's, that's crazy. Why would I ever do that? And then in five years, you'll end up doing it. And so learning the difference between those three things in our highly noisy information environment that's only getting noisier, I think is an essential skill for any writer to follow and understand because you just have to know that just because you follow a blogger or an influencer early on in your career, that doesn't mean that their advice is ultimately what's going to be good for you. So just having that filter, I think is critically important. Yeah, I completely agree. And I also think looking at the credentials of the people giving the advice, there are a lot mm -hmm. of unpublished people giving out publishing advice. Yeah. And, you know, that's not to say that they don't have any valuable knowledge, but, um, you know, it's important to look at their background and how they have um, developed that knowledge, at least um, before you swallow it whole and accept it as valid uh, advice. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and it, it's like, it's like taking self-publishing advice from a traditional publisher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, exactly. it, it doesn't make sense. Why would you do that? Yeah. But it, sometimes people, it, when you're new, you don't know what you don't know, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it, it, when you don't have any reference point, you don't have any context because you never published a book before. Of course, you're going to make that mistake because you, you it's, it's how you learn. But just being being aware of the fact that you don't know what you don't know can be very helpful for you. Absolutely. So I get asked how writers should promote their first book. Like how should they get those first sales? Um, what tips would you give them? I would say write the next book. I know it's common cliche advice, but you know, my first book when I when I published it, I, I sold three copies. I made five dollars and seventy-nine cents. And I, I know that number, that number is burned into my brain. 
because the first person that bought my book was my mom. Oh, and, <laughs> I love your mom. <laughs> second person that bought my book was me because I, I, I bought it so I could uh, generate an Amazon sales rank. And then the third person that bought it was my best friend. Aww. And, and that's just, that's how it goes when you first start off. And when you only have one book, your, your range of motion is very limited because there's not much you can do because readers, if you're writing a series, a lot of readers, you know, they, they've kind of got the George R. R. Martin, I don't want to get burned kind of mm. thing because they don't want to wait seven years between books. So there's some readers out there, myself included, they, they're only going to read something if it's got a few books in the series or if it's done. So if you only got one book, that's a significant amount of readers out there that are probably not going to take a chance on you until you've got more published. Mm. So publishing the next book, I think is probably the best marketing advice you can give because if you've only got one book, your ads aren't going to be nearly as effective either. You know, yeah, and, yeah. And yeah, especially exactly. if you run Amazon ads, they're, they're not going to do very well for you until you've got a few. Yeah. I love, I love that. You know, that figure, I know my figure, I, I forget the, I think it was about 89 pounds the very first month, but uh, yeah, I, I'm going to go and look oh, yeah. it up because I know, I know it was around that figure. I think we never forget that first month because yep. it's, it's simultaneously like the sheer joy of the fact that, um, you have actually sold copies and also the shock that anyone has brought, you know, your, your book, yeah. but, but also the horror that, you know, you are not a millionaire yet. <laughs> like, no, no, you know? no, nowhere near it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I am. I'm going to go look up that thing now. I think that's hilarious. Um, Okay, for those writers wanting to create a career and a business from their writing, um, you know, that will enable them to actually leave their day jobs and do this full time. What advice would you give them to help their business foundation? So you know, the, the strategic mm -hmm. advice. Well, the first piece of strategic advice that I would give is understand what your key strategic priorities will be. So I think the mission statement of pretty much every writer ever is to write books that entertain and or delight people. So that's pretty simple, you know, and your vision of what happens when you do that, whether that be a, being a full-time writer or just simply being satisfied at the fact that, you know, people are buying your books, that's everybody has a different path there. But what are the, what are the things that you're going to be doing on a daily basis that will drive your business? So for me, I have, I have five strategic priorities as a business, as, as an author, authorpreneur, as an author, business owner, how do I become a world-class content creator? Meaning how do I create content that is going to hit the mark every time that's going to be extremely professional and create quality for in value for my readers? How do I become a world-class marketer? So how do I master AMS ads? How do I master Facebook ads? How do I become a master at getting people into my gravitational field. How do I become a technology driven writer? Meaning how do I master my writing app? How do I use technology to become more efficient and a better version of myself? How to become a data driven writer because data is really important in terms of marketing and sales. If you don't know data, you're going to have problems. <laughs> and that's something that a lot of writers don't think about because writers and data don't always mix, but it's very, very important if you want to be a business owner. And then how do you, how do you become the writer of the future? You know, because what, what are the things that, that you could be doing today that are going to bear fruit for you five, 10 years from now? And for a lot of people, it's just simply the act of writing more books. But if you understand what your strategic priorities are, that's going to help guide your day-to-day -day actions. Because if you, because it's not just about being a writer, like that's, that's only a part of the equation, you know, and, and when most people sign up for this, they want they get all they want to do is write books and they don't realize how many different hats that you have to wear. You know, I mean, there's the marketing hat, there's the business hat, there's the legal hat. Cause you got to make sure you're complying with certain things like GDPR. I mean, there's all sorts of things that are going to come up. And so having a good strategy is probably the best, best foundational tip I can give. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I love that you mentioned data-driven author. <laughs> I was like groaning yeah. um, internally because it's the bit of the business that I hate the most. Yeah. Um, I do not have a good relationship with data. And, uh, but 
equally, it's always on my like quarterly plan to be better, find a better stat system, find a better method for analyzing, be better at, um, you know, uh, AMS ads or, or book ads or whatever. Um, yeah. And I think it's also a misnomer um, for the traditional publishing industry, because a lot of people assume that if you go traditional, all you have to do is write books. And that's a lie, people. It's a yeah. lie. Um, there is no way <clears throat> you can come into this business nowadays without having to wear multiple hats. It's just not it's just not possible. Um, Another question that I get asked a lot is how to find beta readers or advanced readers. Um, do you have any tips or advice for building those types of readers? Yeah, I do. Actually, um, I, I did a video recently on um, beta readers, beta, beta, you know, that depends on how you say it. Um, I did a video on that. It's called the ultimate guide to beta readers. And um, you can get that. You can watch it for free at authorlevelup.com slash beta readers. Um, but yeah, I, it's something I've done over the years. I don't use a whole lot of betas anymore, um, mainly because I like to, I, I like speed to market, meaning I like to be able to write a book and just get it out. So, but, but I have used them in the past. And I think the, the biggest tip I can offer to people is, I, I don't know, this is kind of, maybe this is the rebel author podcast. Maybe this is a bit of a rebel idea <laughs> that is consider hiring beta readers. Now, a lot of people will, will find them on Facebook. They'll get them on Goodreads. And it's not always reliable because people have lives. I mean, people have children. I mean, there's just all sorts of things that come up. But might I suggest that paying your beta readers just a little bit could help you get better feedback. One, it's going to attract better readers. Two, um, they're going to meet their deadlines because a paid beta reader is a, a beta reader that meets their deadlines. And then three, you can ask more pointed and directed questions. Um, so I did that with my last novel, um, The Good Necromancer, book one, A Shadow Deal. I did that because I, want, I wanted to find specifically urban fantasy readers. And I, I, I've always had a hard time finding beta readers that actually commit to doing what they say they're going to do. And so I did that and I found out just by just exploring the idea that there's actually people that, I don't know if they make careers out of this, but they certainly make income being paid beta readers, you know? And so just consider that that would be my, my first tip to consider. Yeah, I, I've never heard of that or consider it. So I think that's a, an amazing idea. And uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, like I'm excited for that idea because also it means you can get the feedback in the time that you, the, the exactly. time allocation that you want. I only have one critique partner um, these days and um, she reads everything that I write and I read everything that she writes. And mm. um that has just I have whittled that down over the years I used to sort of have five or six and it was yeah. just so overwhelming and the conflicting advice and yep. so um I yeah basically we got to the point me and her where she has strengths that I don't have and I have strengths that she doesn't have and we write in similar genres and we understand each other's voice and tone and angle so um yeah, uh, but I love that idea. I think that is a great idea. Um, I often hear from writers who are uncomfortable or unsure about creating a mailing list. What advice would you give to help them set theirs up? Yeah, you know, there are plenty of resources out there to help with the nuts and bolts of the mailing list part, because that's, that's a question I get a lot too, is how do I do it? And the answer is it's actually not that hard. Just, just YouTube it, you know, just the, 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 the trick I think is finding a good mailing list service mm. and every, everyone, use? I use get response. Okay. Yeah. I, I use them. They're, they're maybe not the most popular, like, you know, people think of MailChimp or they think of Aweber or uh, MailerLite, but I, I use get response uh, mainly because I just like their interface and I like how easy it is to, to navigate and use, but everybody has their different preferences. You know, so, so just experiment and figure out which ones seem like they're the best fit for you. And it, picking the right one is half the battle. <laughs> you know, that's, that's half the battle. And then I guess the practical tips in terms of what do I do next? Okay, so I've started my mailing list. 
Now what do I do? Um, I recommend you know, go find like internet marketers. So like you, whatever interest you have in your everyday life, anytime you get the opportunity to sign up for some mailing list, you know, you're on a website and they say, Hey, join my, join my mailing list to get 10 free tips on blah, blah, blah. Create some like a burner email address. So, you know, like, you know, I'll give your personal email out, but create like some burner email address and just sign up for as many of them as you can. And then start paying attention to what they're doing because internet marketers are masters at email marketing. I mean, mm -hmm. I've seen, I've seen some just wizard stuff come into my inbox over the years. And what you do is when you see, when you see something that's like, Oh wow, that, that got me to click or that got me to, that, that got me to buy, or I totally signed up for that lead magnet because I really liked it. Write that down. And then that becomes part of your toolbox that you can use later. So I've, I've, I have an autoresponder sequence that I use for people that join my fan club at authorlevelup.com slash fan club. And I offer, um, I saw someone do this once and it was just really cool. Um, it, it's called, uh, it's called the writing craft playbook. So I, I basically, what I did was it was like an illustrated book of writing craft techniques. And it's kind of told in the perspective of like an American football coach, <laughs> you know, and it's kind of a fun lead magnet kind of thing. And that gets, that gets a lot of people to sign up for my email list. They're having the right lead magnet and then having good autoresponders afterward. You can all, you can learn all of that from internet marketers. And so that is my, my biggest advice. I have a swipe file and that's yeah, for exactly. that exact purpose, any email or subject line or um, yeah, exactly that. And I just dump them in the swipe file and every so often I go through looking for inspiration. And um, it's funny you talk about uh, the writing craft magnet. I am literally in the process of moving mailing list provider, which is why I asked who you're with. Ah, um, okay. I'm with MailChimp, but it's costing me like 70 quid a month. And I'm like, I gotta yeah, move you'll, provider. You'll, you'll lose an arm and a leg with MailChimp. I mean, they're, they're not bad but they're expensive. No, no. Yeah, they're excellent, <laughs> but yeah, just bloody expensive. You know, if I go to MailerLite, I half the cost of my uh, mailing list, but I'm going to have a look at GetResponse. Um, yeah. So last question before I ask the ultimate question on this podcast, how, how many words do you write a day? Just this is me being completely curious and nosy now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, I do, I mean, it, it depends on what I'm doing. So of like course. if I'm writing nonfiction, anywhere from three to five, like I'm <gasps> writing a... I'm writing a book right now where it, I'm, I'm literally getting three to 5,000 words down every day. Um, mainly cause I'm passionate about it. Yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, with fiction, it's, it's, it tends to be less than that. Mm -hmm. I can have some days with fiction where I can get up to three to five. Um, but with fiction, it's usually between two and two and three on most days uh, with fiction. I tend to write everything in one draft and I tend to, I, I don't go back and edit. So I like to take my time and make sure I get it right mm -hmm. the first time. But yeah, but, but, but if I'm doing YouTube videos or podcast episodes, there's going to be days of the week where I don't write. So mm -hmm. it's not realistic for me to say that I write every single day. Mm -hmm. um, but when I'm writing, that's usually the pace that, that I go. I bow at your feet. <laughs> I mean, I tend to get between two and 3000 when I'm writing fiction. The problem is getting, getting around the admin. Um, mm -hmm. I've just said to um, uh, sort of one of my accountability partners, I need them to sit me down and look at every task and thing that I'm doing in my day um, and, and tell me what I should cut out because I'm just not getting the words yeah. that I need. Um, but anyway. Yeah. I, I was going to say another thing that helped has helped me. And I, and I tell people this a lot is I write on my phone. Do so, you? yeah. So like when I, when I, I write on my desktop or my laptop, but before all the pandemic stuff happened, my life was just so hectic that I was never at home or, you know, never in front of my computer to be able to write. Mm -hmm. So I, I learned how to write on the Scrivener iOS app mm -hmm. and I write on my phone. So like if I'm at the doctor's office or at the grocery store, stand in line waiting to be seen, um, I'll just whip out my phone and get a few sentences in. And I did the math on it and it improved my word counts by 40%. Shut the fuck up. Are you kidding me? I'm not, I'm not oh kidding. I'm not kidding. Oh my so I, God. Yeah. I almost doubled my word counts by doing that. Now, everybody else's results may vary. 
Yeah, but, yeah, of course. But if, it's amazing how much time you can reclaim. That's insane. Can you, you try to do that. Um, so do they sync the Scrivener app on the phone? To yeah. Because I never I, it, got it to, to sync properly. Yeah, I have. I mean, I I have it on. I have Scrivener on Mac, and I have Scrivener on my iPhone, mm. and it syncs just fine. I know some people have had syncing problems, but um, I, I, it's never never been an issue for me. It's another thing I'm uh, writing down. I brought the Scrivener uh, iOS, uh, but I think when I had an iPad, I don't have an iPad anymore, um, and I could never get it working properly. But that was quite some time ago. So I wonder if it's updated. And because I brought it so many years ago, it'd still be in my app mm-hmm. store. So um, do you uh, do you use Scrivener? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I mean, if if you use it for the desktop, then you should be able to get it to work for your phone. I um I used to write on my phone when I had a day job, but because now I'm more often than not in front of my computer, yeah. um, my problem is, uh, and I'm really working on this. Like I am really trying to be conscious about what my issue is, and I I genuinely do the wrong things. Um, and secondly, I am very bad at turning notifications off. And so um, I know it's a complete indulgence and um, extremely expensive for what it is, but I am going to buy one of the free rights. Um, okay. I don't know if you know, do you know what the free right is? Yeah, where it turns off your internet and... Yeah, well, there is no, there's no internet connected to it. The only thing it can connect to the internet oh, is the to device. upload. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. the, the device, gotcha. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I have <laughs> freedom, I have self-control on my Mac and it just doesn't, or I'll put it on, and the minute the time expires, boom, 8,000 notifications and I'm yeah. gone for an hour. And um, interruptions are just poison to me they uh, are. In, in terms of getting anything done. And obviously, you know, my son's been hospital for several months now, which hasn't really helped. But yeah, I am, I'm, I'm going to invest in one of the free writer, the, no, travel writer, travel writer, that's what it's called. That's the one yeah. that I buy. Just because... Um, I think it will help because I don't necessarily have my phone with me when I'm writing because I'm on my computer and my messages and my fucking everything's connected to the Mac anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, like I'm, I'm excited for that. And, and I'm not in denial. I know you have to change your habits too, uh, but I do think it will help. So yeah. Okay. My favorite question. This is the Rebel Author Podcast. So tell us about a time you unleashed your inner rebel. All right. So one of the things that I am trying, I, a question I'm always asking is how do you visualize the craft of writing? Because like the, the biggest problem I think, like, cause I think you and I have this unique problem because we rewrite books for writers. Like it's one thing to write a book for writers, but like, how do you, how do you take that and make it tangible? You know, because like, like think about it like this. If, if a plumber comes to your house and fix your leaky toilet. You have something at the end of the day, like the plumber has tools that they can use. Like you can see, you can see all of that. Like, like the plumber learns through hands-on experience, you know, somebody else teaches them how to fix a toilet and so on and so forth. How do we do that as writers? Like, how do you take the tools that we have and visualize them? And so I'm working on a project right now. When is this going to go out? Um, I will tell I you ask. that uh, okay. <laughs> we'll go out one second. Um, probably around the middle of October. Okay. Okay. Perfect. There, I'm glad, I'm glad I asked that then. Okay. So the project I'm working on right now is like, I had this really weird idea to do something totally different. So like, I get a lot of people that ask me, well, where do I start as a writer? How do I like, where do I begin? There's so much to learn. I don't know how to wear all these hats. It's just overwhelming information overload. So I decided to do something a little different. I decided, what if I wrote, like, what if I took all of the elements of the writing life and then I kind of twisted them and turned everything into like this travel guide. So like I'm writing a book right now called the Indie Author Atlas and it's your guide to the seven continents of the writing world. So I basically take all of the different elements that you need to learn like writing craft and marketing and I turn them into countries and Mm. it's like an imaginary travel guide like reading a lonely planet book and I'm actually getting illustrated and I have no idea if this is going to work like this is a complete like shot into the dark but like my, my my subscribers could tell me well 
because I, I had this idea of like, well, I have, I had this learning plan. So when I f- first became a writer, I wrote down all the things that I wanted to learn. And then I went off and learned them, but I don't want to write a book. That's just a bunch of bullet bullet points. <laughs> it's going to be kind of boring. Oh yeah. Learn this and learn that. So I was like, how do I make this sexy? How do I make it fun? And it could be a complete disaster. I have no idea. Um, but I think it's kind of an inner rebel thing because I'm, I'm trying to trying to push the envelope. So it's called yeah. the Indie Author Atlas, and it'll probably be, probably be out by October. So if, if you're listening to this in October, uh, authorlevelup.com slash atlas. That is amazing. I absolutely love the sound of that. And um, yeah, I completely agree. There are so many writing, so many books for writers that are just so dry. And I just think it is the biggest irony that there is. I know, I know. Like we are writers. We ought to be able to write books that are engaging and interesting. So that is one of my... um, biggest things when I write books for writers is to make them funny, make them sarcastic, like make them engaging and make learning fun. I think so often learning is made to feel like a chore and nobody ever learned shit when it was a chore. Like nobody wants to do chores. Um, so yeah, I love that. That's your interpretation of that. I am, I, I, I cannot wait to see how this comes out. Uh, so yeah, Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. yeah, it like it's it's like you know watching an Anthony Bourdain um, documentary or reading Lonely Planet or something. It's just I could it's all completely imaginary, but there's a point and there's a purpose, and I hope that it will be instructive and help you learn what it is you need to learn about being a being a writer. That's amazing. And so, will it be aimed at beginners, middle ground, advanced? It'll be aimed at beginners. Okay. Because amazing. beginners are the ones that typically ask me for it. You know, yeah, they, yeah. they want they want to they don't know what they don't know. Yes. And so they want to know all the different things that are out there. And so it's kind of like this guided direction through the world of writing. Well, let me know when it's, uh, it's coming out. Cause I definitely, I'm going to read that. Yeah. Okay. I tell, will. I'll, I'll definitely let you know. Yeah, please do. Um, tell listeners where they can find out more about you, your books, your, your podcasts, your, your YouTube, and of course the Alliance of Independent Authors. Absolutely. So the best place to find me, if, you, if you're interested in the fiction that I write, is at michaelleron.com. So it's just michaelleron.com. If you're interested in the, the writing advice that I happen to give, so the YouTube channel and all that stuff that I talked about, Be a Writing Machine, uh, you can find me at authorlevelup.com. That has links to all the, all the things that I'm doing on a daily basis. And then if you're interested in the Alliance of Independent Authors and the book that we've written, you can check that out at authorlevelup.com slash 150. Authorlevelup.com slash 150. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Sasha. It's been my pleasure. Thank you also to everybody listening and of course to the show's patrons. If you would like to get early access to all of the episodes, then you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. I'm Sasha Black. You are listening to Michael Leron, and this was the Rebel Author Podcast. Next week, I am super excited by my guest. I am going to be speaking to David J. Peterson. Now, you may not know this name because um, he's not uh, too much in the indie author sphere. However, David J. Peterson is uh, very famous in his sphere. He is a con langer. If you don't know what con langing is, it is construction, uh, constructing a, lang- a language. So basically, David J. Peterson is an expert at creating uh, new languages, and he has done so for uh, very, very big shows like Game of Thrones. He was the creator of the Dothraki language, and many, many more shows that you have 100% heard of. I don't want to tell you too much about this episode uh, upcoming next week because you just have to come and listen to it because it is fascinating. Um, I got very uh, obsessed about conlanging or I had the pleasure of speaking to him and it's all thanks to one of my patrons. So big shout out to Bear Kloss and I will say another shout out to you next week. Uh, as a thank you, because it was with her encouragement that I uh, even went and interviewed them, or even pitched him in the first place. So yeah, come and join me next week. Don't forget to tune in and subscribe on your podcatcher. And when you have a moment, please leave a review.